You're listening to Astrology in 5 with Mark Lerner. Hello, everyone. Today is February 11th, 2024. And 38 years ago in 1986, I wrote my self-published book, Mysteries of Venus. In this Astrology in 5 podcast number 56, I'm continuing to read from several pages in Chapter 4, entitled Personalities. A few notes uh, before we begin. I teach an astrology course of 36 one-hour audio classes with lesson notes and charts called the School of Planetary Studies, and it's now available on sale for only $249 on our website at www.greatbearenterprises.com. The 36 classes originally were on cassette tapes and then CDs and cost $750. Now, there's still a postscript section after the one I'm going to be sharing now, and I'll probably do that as an Astroscope podcast because that's going to run at least 25 or 30 minutes. In fact, this one is longer than five minutes. Most of um, the the 55 previous Astrology and Five podcasts, most of them were under five minutes. A couple were longer for various reasons. Um, also, uh, there is one of the more recent podcasts in Astroscope. That's the longer podcast section at Great Barrier Enterprises. There's approximately 119 of those longer podcasts. And one of the recent ones was on Mysteries of Venus. It's a little over two hours. And it's and Venus's esoteric significance and its connection to the five-pointed star. Okay, let us return to Mysteries of Venus and page 129, where I share a closing section on the power of Venus. In closing this section, I realize much has been presented and a lot remains unsaid. Why not keep sharing about other great Venusians like Leonardo da Vinci and Hesperian Taurus, with Venus and Taurus setting 21 degrees behind the sun, Frank Lloyd Wright and Hesperian Gemini, with Venus and Gemini setting 8 degrees behind the sun, or Pope John Paul II, a Luciferian Taurus with Venus right on the 15-degree Taurus area, a zodiacal power point and the sun for Pope John Paul II conjoined the Pleiades' seven sisters constellation. There are literally hundreds of remarkable, creative, and artistic geniuses who have graced our world, enhancing it with Venusian charm, wit, and divine wisdom. Hopefully, my observations and research will inspire you to investigate the lives of some of these people. In future editions of this book, appendices could be added to share about new Venusian happenings, people, and symbolism. For instance, birth at or near a Venus station, a parent stopping in the heavens, can strongly vitalize a person's Venusian qualities and charisma. Henry Fonda, Leonid Brezhnev, Hedy Lamarr, Shari Lewis, Ralph Nader, Julie Andrews, and Tom Jones were born close to Venus stations. It is important to note Venusian aspects on chart like sextiles of 60 degrees and quintiles of 72 degrees. 
six sextiles in series and a birth chart would create an archetypal grand hexagon. Five quintiles in series and a chart would create an archetypal grand pentagon. It would be very rare for these idealized formations to occur, but not at all impossible, particularly with the recent intervention of asteroids, Chiron, and other points. A map may have two, three, four, or more of these points activated by planets or angles, but there may be a missing placement or two. That's where another person or event comes along, and by chart comparison, a distinctly Venusian astro approach, one person's grand formation is suddenly filled in and ignited. When it comes to marriage, Venus and Libra obviously become crucial. This book is not intended to give you a complete survey on this critical subject. Many other books are now available on chart comparisons, relationship charting, and synastry. However, I would say the following, based partly on my experience in the Findhorn community and my years of doing relationship marriage interpretations. If two people are planning to get married and want to utilize astrological information, they should be very clear about what they are doing. To choose a successful marriage date is exceedingly difficult since many charts must be juggled. If you go as far as picking a date, you should choose a specific time as well. I've seen numerous cases of supposed wonderful dates being picked, only to see the relationship spoil because a poor time of day was arbitrarily selected for the marriage vows. And for sure, Venus and the moon, significators of the marriage itself, personal happiness and compatibility, and domestic expression require positive and inspiring placements. Never get married when the moon is moving, quote, void of course, unquote. If you are not an astrologer and don't know what this means, check with an astrologer and find out. My general approach in helping select marriage dates for eager clients is to first eliminate all the dates that for one reason or another are totally inappropriate. Then I get three to five dates that are possibilities. Finally, it comes down to two prospective dates. I discuss them with the clients and analyze their high and low points, their opportunities and potential challenges. Suggested times of the day are also given to avoid situations like wonderful Venus and moon placements, but Pluto exactly rising opposing Mars on the seventh house cusp signifying marriage. So recognize that this branch of astrology, actually a form of electional astrology, has many pitfalls. A little bit of astro astrological knowledge is often very dangerous. At Fintorn, many couples decide to get married at an equinox or solstice. This can be a way of lifting both people up to a higher level of consciousness. But the trick is to stay up there and not crash back to Earth. Marriage in the New Age will demand much personal and interpersonal med meditation, attunement, creative sharings, and crystal clear communication. The key factor leading to separations and divorce is not interpersonal disharmony. Is the staggering accumulations of transits, current planetary motions in the actual sky, playing havoc with one or both of the person's birth maps. I have witnessed numerous marital breakups due to a natal Venus position, receiving intense squares, oppositions, and conjunctions from slow-moving outer planets. If this starts happening in both persons' charts simultaneously, only wholehearted and wide-open discussion will lead to a positive and revelatory resolution 
and reunion. If you are married and in the midst of problems, make yourself feel better by thinking of Elizabeth Taylor's birth chart. Born on February 27, 1932, she is a solar Piscean and an Hesperian with Venus setting 40 degrees behind the sun. The trouble is Venus is closely conjoined revolutionary and unpredictable Uranus in fiery independent Aries, but ironically in the seventh house of marriage and the search for balanced relationships. Venus is probably her ruling planet as other researchers have indicated an early Libra ascendant. When you add on the fact that her Pluto dynamically squares this Venus-Uranus conjunction, that her son in Pisces is conjoined strife-plague Mars and opposing dreamy Neptune, and that she has the spicy, brooding, and passionate moon in Scorpio to boot, all of this may make you feel more relaxed about any current marital challenges in your own life. She's gone through around seven marriages and maybe one of our great astro teachers on the controversial subject. I don't know if Ms. Taylor has consulted with reliable astrologers of the past, but her natal pattern still does not doom her to eternal marital disharmony. Any alignment can be brought up to a higher level of, of expression and understanding. Consciousness is always the key. In my research in this field, I have found one thing to contribute that I always find intri intriguing. Frequently, one member of a couple will have, say, Venus in Aquarius and Mars in Libra, but no planets in Gemini. If that person meets someone who has Venus and Jupiter in Gemini, the Venus-Mars individual will be strongly attracted to the powerful Gemini person. A grand triangle is being created for the Mars-Venus person, and this holistic geometric pattern makes him or her feel much more complete and possibly creative. And let's say that the same Mars-Venus character has a T-square of Sun in Pisces, Moon in Sagittarius and Saturn in Virgo. All the mutable, changeable signs are activated except Gemini. So that other person with the Gemini planets will also fulfill a grand cross for the Mars-Venus person. Such a fourfold pattern can seem like a crucifixion or the opportunity to ground in Earth energies that couldn't be anchored without the partnership. To top it off any time this occurs for one person in the relationship, it will reflect back into the other person's chart as well. Call this geometric comparison. It will make more sense in the future when ge geometric patterns and refined numerology analysis lift our understanding of chart compatibility to more exalted levels. In the meantime, start experimenting with the ideas. Let me close this section by echoing a statement made by the late Dane Rajar in his superb book entitled The Astrological Houses. In his analysis of the seventh house, which is affiliated with Libra, Venus, and marriage, Roger mentioned that marriage should have a societal or planetary purpose. The successful marriage, Libra in the seventh house, would find fulfillment and anchoring in the greater community, Capricorn and the tenth house. It wasn't good enough to, quote, fall in and out of love, unquote, Two people staring into one another's eyes was one form of love and marriage. But two people gazing ahead at the same common goal and vision was another form of marriage that included a community, planetary, or spiritual outlook. 
perhaps one of the main reasons for the rising divorce rate in the 1970s and 80s, besides outer planets slowly transiting through traditional relationship signs like Libra and Scorpio, is that couples began focusing too much attention on themselves and not enough on their destined purpose in a greater world. Certainly, as a, as a society breaks down and economic struggles become a daily way of life, marriages are often left hanging by a thread. Daily meditation, prayer, deep discussions, and synchronized aspirations can bring two people out of an ice age and back into the warmer, temperate regions of partnership. Remember that no matter where it is, Venus exists somewhere in every person's birth map and can be called forth by a warm-hearted, loving hug or simple words of appreciation. So thank you very much for listening. At another point, we will do the postscript and other mysteries of Venus in this series. So we, this is actually um, 13 minutes, not too bad, um, just eight minutes beyond the astrology and five, but this was an important section um, to share with all of you. So much love and many blessings. Bye for now. That's it for now. Stay tuned for more Astrology in 5 with Mark Lerner.